we won a national championship for for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi, uh, we did it. And, uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. All righty, what is up, college baseball fans? Welcome to week two of the college baseball season. Just wrapped up midweek number one, and God, there was a lot to talk about there that we're going to dive into this episode. Um, we're also going to talk about our weekend series, Pick'em. We got six series that we're going to really just hammer out and figure out what we need to pick because this weekend is the toughest weekend series pick'em that we've ever had in the in the three years we've been running this. Um, but before all that, I want to thank all of our sponsors. First of all, first off, Yacker Tech and Baseball Cloud doing some incredible things here in the college baseball community, not only for teams, but they made a huge announcement today that they're they're partnering with a transfer portal uh, website or app-based thing where at the end of the year, they will have all the data and stats for kids in the transfer portal for college coaches to make their decision on who they need to recruit and who they want to pick up out of the portal. Um, so Yacker Tech, Baseball Cloud, the best advancements in college baseball we've seen in a long time as far as f- uh, fan-friendly data that you can look at and understand. Also, real in-time game stats and, and metrics. The coolest thing that they do is if someone hits a bomb, Dimitri, we saw this, someone hits a bomb in the game, we're like, dude, that went 500 feet. We just tweet at them or text them and be like, yo, how far was that? And then, boom, five seconds later, be like, oh, it's 371 feet, 110 exit velocity. Yeah, what's up? Do you know which schools have this available? Like, like are they're not at all schools, are they? Not yet. They're so they're at like thirty of the bigger schools. Um, I know there are a lot in Arizona and Florida, all across the southeast. Pretty much every SEC school, I think, has it. And uh, yeah, the the access that we have to them, and the the future plans we have with them to kind of make it more fan friendly for the fans to understand the the easier metrics inside the game of college baseball 
Uh, the future is very bright. So we're excited to have them um, on as partners and the CEO and, and the, all the managing partners there. Super cool guys. They're guys you want to go grab a beer with. Um, and they've been big fans of us for a while as well. So thank you to Yacker Tech and thank you to Baseball Cloud. Um, also, we want to thank our, our, our sportsbook partner, and that's Circus Sportsbook over in Las Vegas, who is sponsoring our weekend series pick'em competition. Uh, and week one was a, su- a success. I think we had somewhere near 103 entries, and um, they're doing our weekend series pick'em throughout the whole season and our survivor contest um, pick'em. And the the cool thing is they're giving away the grand prize, which is a three night stay at the resort in Las Vegas. Uh, they have the giant sports book on the roof deck with a giant swimming pool and cabana suites that we'll be able to attend this year. Dimitri and I will be out there in Vegas the first week of the College World Series betting on games with the two winners, plus any other fans of 11.7 or college baseball that want to join us. So if you already have your you know, your vacation scheduled for that first week of Omaha, having your fingers crossed that your team will be there, they don't make it. Switch that flight over to Vegas. Come join us at, at Circus Sportsbook. Those guys are also really cool, and uh, they've been really easy to communicate with. And uh, we're going to be promoting their their college baseball lines and futures throughout the year as well. And um, and yeah, so we're excited. We're excited to have Circa here all year long as well. And something I didn't do last week that I need to do this week is give some Patreon shoutouts. Now we have over 150 members now, which blows my mind. And thank you guys so much for subscribing to the Patreon. We're trying to give you as much value as we can, uh, and it's going to continue to get more and more throughout the season as more more things pop up. But for right now, I promised about 10 to 15 an episode. Today I'm going to do 20 because I had to cut out last week due to my audio just being total trash. So we're going to start right here. We're going to go with Michael Hudgens, who I know is a great Twitter follower of ours. Uh, at least I've been following him for a long time. Great guy. He's 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 big college baseball fan. And uh, thank you, Michael. We also have Nathaniel Hooper, Annie M's, and Annie M's is in our Discord channel. And she's going on a I think she said a two week long college baseball trip this this season, where she's going to hammer out multiple different stadiums and venues to see different uh, different pretty cool. Play. Yeah, really cool. She was sharing that with us in our Discord. That's another big thing that you get with our Patreon. You can join our Discord for as little as $2 a month and just interact with the college baseball community we have going on right now. Tell us fun things that are going in your life and in your college baseball team's uh, stuff. So, What did you say? You can join our Discord for as little as $2. Do you say junior college? No. Did I say junior college? You, I don't know what I'm pretty saying. Pretty sure. You, I thought I heard you just say junior college. I was like, what are you talking about? God, no. I, I don't think I said it. If I did, whatever. They know what I mean. Anyways, um, we have Nick Lavergetta. 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 Thank you, Nick, for being one of our Weekend Series Pick'em subscribers. Same to Jake Hernandez and Drew D. Andrew Smith and Justin Compton. Brian Hodge and your boy, Morgan Pitty. Morgan Pittman. Who I think hey, shout out to Morgan Pittman. That's a Mercer Bear. That's a lefty specialist out of the bullpen, dude, with the stud for us. Um, my fre- uh, my freshman year sweet mate, neighbor, whatever you want to call it, sophomore year roommate. Um, that's big pit. That's big pity. He was nasty. 
We also have TJ Osborne, one of my good friends and one of the biggest college baseball fans out there. Love TJ. And we have Rocco Miller, Noah Binick. Uh, I always forget how to pronounce his last name. He's a college baseball gambler. Big Noah. Um, Binick. Binick. I don't know how to pronounce it. Noah, I'm sorry. Noah B. Follows, he has a college baseball gambling show uh, podcast you guys should check out. And then we'll wrap it up here with these last five. We have Jordan Young, Nick Hathcote, CJ, Ryan Kendall, JP, and Drew. Appreciate hey, you guys hey, for subscribing there. Hope you guys are having fun in that weekend series. Pick them and, and our, in our Discord channel. Um, we, we wouldn't be able hey, to do a lot of this without Hathcote. you guys. He posts his picks in the um, in the fan gambling chat channel um, on the Discord. If you guys don't know what I'm saying. What I mean, there's a server which is the whole entire 11.7 College Baseball Discord server, and then inside the server we have different channel: um, fan game day chat, fan gambling chat, our weekend pick'em channel, um, Ben's super ultra premium group that only the elites get to join that is the gambling pick where he actually drops his picks and if you are interested in making money and this is this is me speaking off of my chest speaking on off the bat ben has been absolutely dominating his picks so far this year so if you want to make money hey you make one $25 bet $225 bet and you win them you pay for you pay for your whole month for free then the rest of the month you're just making money so if that's something that interests you I, I can't believe I can't believe how hot I am right now betting college baseball and and so for the listeners that maybe have no idea what I'm talking about I, I've always been huge into growing the game of college baseball and as a former player I knew that the moment that college baseball adapted to promoting gambling lines for you know big games across the country i knew the game would grow in popularity because there's just a whole wave of degenerate gamblers out there that love to have a little action on the game and over the last few years you see it slowly starting to come up come up come up and this year it's very prevalent across different sports books across the united states and and so this year i was like hey i know this game in and out i've studied it i played it and, you know, I, I love the Vegas gambling aspect of things, crunching numbers and algorithms, doing my own research. And so this year I decided to sell my picks because I do a, I do put a lot of effort into it. And um, it's forty nine dollars a month on Patreon. And I cannot believe the results I'm, I'm getting. I, I just told Dimitri I'm up nineteen point one units, which this season, which is. A unit is what your gambling size is, whether it's ten dollars a game or fifty dollars a game, a hundred dollars a game, or a thousand. Yeah. So you multiply your units by what your normal bet is, and that's what you get your total profit. And so my record this year, I went two and one on Thursday, which is today, the day we're recording it. Uh, one two lost one, net one unit there. So that brings me to forty six and twenty eight this year betting on college baseball, all very similar, like very close lines. So we have a lot of underdogs and maybe some slight favorites there, overs, unders, against the spread. And so I'm up 19.1 units, which means if you bet $100 a game, you would be up $1,910 on this season. If you bet $10 a game, you're up $191. And uh, that's profit there. So I'm at least happy that I'm able to give my gambling group chat uh, in the Discord and in the Patreon 
at least some winners out there. I, and, and I'm excited to, to hopefully continue this hot tear that I have, but I am confident that I know more than these Vegas bookmakers right now. This early in the season, knowing the teams, knowing how they play games, knowing stadium size is a big one as well for over-unders. Dimitri, you know, if, if you're playing at East Carolina, you're going to probably get more run score than if you play at the University of Texas. It's just hitters' ballparks versus pitchers' ballparks. And a lot of those, a lot of that data hasn't really hit the Vegas bookmakers quite yet. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you guys should see the Ben Upton 3000 machine that he built. It pumps out picks for him. He programmed it. He <laughs> That's took not his true. brain. He put it in the machine. Wired it up at the Ben Upton 3000, so it, it only spits out winners. If that's hey, if 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 the Ben Upton 3000 is me at 6 a.m. when my son Brooks is awake and he's playing with his toys and I'm on my laptop just diving into wind direction, weather, starting pitchers, uh, different different scores to compare it to. Yep. There's a lot that goes into it, but uh, anyways, if you I mean if I was, you're not a gambler, on, I'm on. sorry about add all one that. One more thing about the Discord. Um, we do have live scores in there. We do have um, betting odds in there. So if you go in there, there's commands you can use um, to get live scores at any moment, at any time. Like, so if you're in conversation, if you're not sure where you want to find scores, um, we do have live scores in there right at the tip of your finger, um, all that good stuff. And you got people in there to talk to, discuss. So it's a fun time. If that's something that interests you, One ninety nine, and you're in there. Yeah, it, it's turned out to be a big success. I wasn't a believer in Discord. I had no idea how it worked until Dimitri showed me like in December or early January. And I was like, I don't know. This might work. It might not. I, I love it. Love. It's just an easier way to communicate with a group of people versus Twitter DMs or text messages. It, it, it's very, very interactive. I, and, and I think the people so far have liked that they can be in contact, like in conversation with us, like without like having our tech our phone number or what you will exactly um and you don't want to just have all these conversations out in open air on twitter like it just it's not it's a weird it's like a weird dynamic um so yeah if you got something you guys are interested in join well yeah. glad to have you so uh anyways we have a lot to talk about on this episode i have 10 talking points that we'll quickly run by for the midweek recap some really big storylines. Um, also, we're going to go through and do analysis on the six weekend series Pick'em games later in the episode. And um, But before all of that, I want to put Dimitri on the spot here. There's oh, no. 35 undefeated teams left in college baseball that have played a game, at least one game, right? And I want to know who you think will be the last team standing because I believe it was last year Purdue started out 15-0 and something ridiculous like that and they ended up being trash two they years were, ago dude, we talked about how how horrendous that team was and this is no slight no offense to the guy hey if you t if you think my team sucks i'm not going to be offended like if, if it's true it's true that purdue team with the biggest fraudulent 17 and 0 <laughs> team i've ever seen in my life it was unreal but they kept winning games early in the year and then of course it evened out and they were they played bad baseball the last half of the year and uh, two years ago, we had Southern Illinois start out something like 19 and 0, maybe 21 and 0, if I if I'm not mistaken. And then they ended up falling off a cliff and not even making the tournament. But that was a good offense. Uh, it was a it was a fun team to watch. They just weren't. 
they weren't up to anyway. par with their competition uh, later in the year. Anyway, so there's 35 teams left. I'm gonna I'm gonna go first here and just go gut instinct on which team I think will be the the last one remaining. I'm gonna say here that it's gonna be the Troy Trojans, and I, I don't have Troy schedule in front of me. In fact, I have it I'm gonna, in front of me. Okay, so read me read me their schedule. Stony Brook for three this weekend at UAB next week. USC Upstate at home next weekend, who is also undefeated. At home versus Florida Gulf Coast for two, and then at Central Florida. So the reason why I picked Troy was, one, they picked one of my favorite mid- or not picked, they beat up one of my favorite mid-major teams this past, uh, last weekend in Evansville. They scored like 10 runs a game or 11 runs a game. And then I was like, I'm going to look at this graphic that Dimitri made and posted on Twitter. And the first team my eyeballs hit, that's who gut instinct. That's who I'm going to go with. I just can't keep my eyes off of this Troy logo. I love it. The T with the swords. And honestly, they have a pretty favorable schedule moving forward until they get to, I guess, upstate and then Florida Gulf coast. But I could see them making like a 12 and 0 start 13 and 0 start. No way. All right, fine. Who's your pick? Let me let me make sure I can um, find a way to hate on your pick now. So, do you think a team makes it to nine and zero? Yeah. So the reason why I say that because Morehead State plays St. Peter's for four this weekend. Oh, that's a sweep. It should be a sweep. So that's they'll, they'll be seven and zero. Then they play Kentucky, and I'm like sitting here like. But the thing is, after Kentucky, they play at Sanford, at Louisville, at Tennessee, at Indiana. <laughs> yeah, well, we can scratch them off the list. They won't be the last ones remaining. No um, shot. I mean, Wake. I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna have Wake Forest pulling up right now. Wake well, I know LSU has a very soft schedule. LSU is probably going to be the right answer. Ben, Wake Forest might be the team. They have three against Mount St. Mary's, who's also undefeated. That's going to end real on Friday night. That's going to end tomorrow at two p.m. Um, and then they play Towson for one this weekend. That's four wins this weekend. Then they have UNC Greensboro, Purdue, Fort Wayne. We both know the phenomenal team. <laughs> Not the Mastodons. They're they're trash. Ball State, Cornell, and Coastal Carolina, and then Duke. So Wake Forest could be. It could be Wake Forest. It, it could be Wake Forest. Wow, and that does Wake not look Forest. good. That looks really bad, actually. For our Wake Forest is going to be bad this year. No, 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 no. We didn't say anything about now. We said when they hit ACC play. That's fair. They we didn't say that. Top, they will not win the ACC when it's all said and done. We didn't say anything about starting 15 and 0. Yeah. They did the, it last um, year. What, what, sorry, I, I cut you off there. But before I forget, somebody brought this up on Twitter. In fact, I'm going to look it up here while I'm talking. But they were like, how cool would it be if – South Carolina and Clemson go into their weekend series here in a couple weeks, both undefeated. I was like, wow, the best rivalry in college baseball, in my opinion. That means that means Clemson sweeps Central Florida and beats upstate next week. Which they could do. Which they can do. And that means South Carolina beats sweep Penn and beats North Carolina A and T, which is I would I would say that's more likely than not likely. That they go undefeated through that four game stretch. Clemson the guy, is not, the guy I'm, who I'm, said it, the guy who said it, his Twitter name is cracking me up. Irish Cox 
Pirates. I'm assuming he's a Notre Dame, South Carolina, East Carolina fan. He's probably an East Carolina alum. No. Yeah, he's an East Carolina alum who grew up in the state of South Carolina. And so Catholic. Fan, and he just, for some reason, <laughs> like Notre Dame football. He went to Catholic church in South Carolina, but then graduated from East Carolina. That's what that's what it is. That's my guess. And correct me if I'm wrong for you guys out there. Is East Carolina more of the Georgia Southern of the Carolinas? Like all the guys that can't get into Georgia and Georgia, um, Georgia Tech? Correct don't me if I'm wrong. I don't know the dynamic. Don't start don't this conversation. You're going to fire up some East Carolina guys. No, no. I'm not saying that. I'm asking what is the dynamics of those schools? Because Green, uh, North, East Carolina's Greenville, Greenville, that's kind Greenville. of like, yeah, but is that like super, that's not super far North Carolina, like Raleigh, Durham? I don't know. I played against them and we went there. It was a nice town. I actually liked Greenville, North Carolina. Do you not remember where Greenville is? No, I have no idea on a map where it is. It's in the Eastern part, I'm sure. I thought it was the Western <laughs> part, like Ash. Like, shut up. Anyway, shut up. Anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> Clemson, I can I will put money that Clemson does not sweep Central Florida this weekend. The Knights are rolling. The Knights are good. Yeah, I mean they're always going to be good, but you no no Ben see, no they're not just always good. They are really good this year. Stop it! But they're not as good as Clemson. I, I've seen both teams play this year. Clemson has some absolute dudes on their guy. Like Clemson, I want them all steroid tested because they're all just freaking jacked. Oh, Same with it. South Carolina, too, to be honest. I, I mean, I think both of them just have monsters of human beings on their team. If if UCLA gets through Vandy, if they sweep Vandy, they might be the last team undefeated. They're not going to sweep Vandy. What are you talking about? I'm just I'm just throwing a hypothetical. What are we doing here? We're just throwing hypotheticals. All right, we need to move on to a different topic. Hold on, hold on. I gotta give you my pick. I'm still uh people know I take my time on my picks. Yeah, well you need to hurry up and make your pick. LSU, it doesn't matter. Hey, uh, let me I'm gonna go ahead and say it right now. If LSU gets through the next four games, they're gonna go undefeated until March seventeenth. What are their next four games? They have Sam Houston, Iowa, and Kansas State. Kansas State this weekend. Then they have Texas next Tuesday at Texas. Then they have Butler. I mean, then they have Butler, Central Connecticut, Central Connecticut, Butler, Lamar, Samford, New Orleans before they play hey, Texas. A&M. Watch out for Lamar. <laughs> hey, they're they're pretty. They're not bad. They're pretty good. They impressed me um, this midweek, um, but. I think I think I'm just gonna go ahead and throw an upset out there and way ahead of ourselves here. I think Iowa win beats LSU this weekend. You're on the Brody Breck train. Iowa's wide receiver pitcher throws gas. Um, but anyway, my pick to go undefeated this year. And LSU is such a boring pick, but it it might be them. You know what um, I learned? You don't have the ability to go gut instinct. You're the analytical guy that wants to do his research. I'm, and correct. I'm, I'm straight gut though. instinct. I'm I looked at the graphic though. you made and made my pick within two seconds. Didn't look at any I'm schedules. Analytical. I just don't, I hate being wrong. People haven't figured well, it out already. You have I a one in wrong. 35 chance. I don't know if you've ever played roulette, but it's like putting a number down. I love roulette. In roulette. I love roulette. Yeah. So we're playing numbers right now. You get to pick one number. It doesn't, but it's I'm probably kind of not going to hit. 
I'm the kind of roulette player that just throws a bunch of shit on everything all over the board. And you probably lose a lot of money. Like you probably don't give your chance. You don't. You probably don't give yourself a chance to win. You probably put more money no, out no. on the I, table. I I will go there. There's a casino in Italy, right next to my house, less than ten minutes. I last year I didn't go that much, but the year before I went a lot, and I ended up up. I finished the whole season. I kept track. I finished up twelve hundred dollars. The whole season, like it's like it's I mean, on the back going, of a baseball like card. Three nights. I was going like three nights a week. Um, <laughs> it was so it was super unhealthy because I was more excited about the casino than any baseball game, any practice, any beach. I was more excited to go to the casino, and and I stopped myself because I was like, yeah, dude, this is what a degenerate does, and this is how they down spiral into. Selling their car to feed their gambling addiction. I, I yeah. kind of psyched myself out. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm done with this. Um, you but, need to call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah. And you, by the way, you never told our listeners to bet responsibly when advertising gambling. Yeah. I mean, we're not, but we're not owned by a gambling company. I don't have to say that. I'm just messing with you. Anyway, uh, of my course, pick, I highly pick. recommend it. Definitely gamble responsibly. Don't be an idiot. But it, it, sure. I mean, sure. You want me to say, it? don't, don't be an idiot. Anyway, my pick to stay undefeated is. I'm just gonna pick a random team. There Move, you go. Drum roll. Drum roll. <laughs> drum roll. Boom. UC Irvine. Okay, my finger landing on UC Irvine. That's my pick. They might lose tomorrow. Let me see. They have let's a, see how bad. Let's see how bad of a pick that was. I'm pretty sure they play a tough team tomorrow. They play Washington State tomorrow. Who's also undefeated? Who's also undefeated? And San Diego, who's also undefeated? And UNLV, who's three and one? Yeah, that was yeah. I remember pick. looking at their schedule, and they have a tough one this weekend. Um. Anyway, uh, yep. All right, let's move It'll on. We got we got some midweeks to recap here. Yep. And uh, I mean, there's no better place to start than. Gerangelo Sanja, who is an absolute freak of a human being. If you don't know who he is, you need to learn. And you probably were off social media for the last two days because he's getting millions of views for what he did for Mississippi State. And my favorite part of this Gerangelo Sanja story is the buildup going into it, right? Because what happened was, and I'm actually, <laughs> this is a bad storytelling, but let me introduce who he is. He's a he's a both-handed pitcher for Mississippi State. He throws left-handed and right-handed, something that Pat Vendette did in the major leagues for the Oakland A's for a little while. But if you don't know who he is, he's a both-handed pitcher for Mississippi State. All right, I will get back to this point in a second. Let me tell the backstory. So he's starting on a midweek because the day before, Louisiana Monroe absolutely embarrasses Hold on, the Bulldogs. I'm going to discredit this whole thing that you're about to do, but go ahead and I'm going to discredit when you're done. All right, just don't interrupt me. Let me finish. <laughs> let me finish my side of the story. Mississippi State gets embarrassed by the Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe in Duty Noble Stadium on a Tuesday. It ended up being 11 to five, but there was a point where if this was an SEC game, it would have been a run rule. People at Mississippi State were tweeting. We need to fire, blah, blah, blah. We need to change the lineup up. This guy needs to be cut. All this stuff. You know, they were overreacting to the first midweek of the season, which is absolutely ludicrous. You should never do that. Midweeks don't matter too much. It mattered a lot more for Monroe than it did for Mississippi State. Anyways, uh, Gerangelo Sanja gets the ball on Wednesday. And 
I knew who he was. You knew who he was. He also pitched an inning on Saturday before and didn't end up throwing left-handed, but he gets the start. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm waiting for this to happen because I'm watching the game while I'm working. And he finally flips over to left-handed. And I just started seeing these tweets flood in just people on social media being like, Whoa, what do we have here? Who is this guy? Blah, blah, blah. And he ended up being a social media sensation. He was up to 97 from the right side, up to 92 or 93 on the left side. Four innings, one hit, seven strikeouts. Absolutely gave Mississippi State what they needed to just blow out and erase uh, what happened on Tuesday. So now you can go ahead and talk. How are you going to discredit this story? So your storyline is clickbait and it's false. Brian Haddad at Mississippi State Insider, or he, the co-host of the Sports Talk Mississippi, tweeted, on February 20th, which is Monday afternoon at 5 o'clock, Coach Lamona says he will start two true freshmen in the midweek. Tuesday, Bradley Lofton. Wednesday, Gerangelo Sanja. So it had nothing to do with their game against Louisiana Monroe on Tuesday. Them getting their ass kicked that Sanja started on Wednesday. Okay, that's fair. I, I can see. I know, My story was way better, though. I had the what? I had the listeners on the edge of their seat right there. I know so, you did. All right. Well, somebody would have but corrected me on Twitter, anyways. So he was scheduled to start before that game ever happened, and thank God, maybe Lamonis knew what was coming. So, whatever the reason was, it, he, it was perfect because he distracted everybody from their ass kicking. Nobody, everybody forgot about that game really fast. Yeah. Well, and. Is, and- and a something else, when I, when I saw Mississippi State have Monroe for a Tuesday-Wednesday on their schedule, this was going back before week number one. I was like, oh, they're going to lose one of those two games. Like Louisiana Monroe always wins a midweek game that they're not supposed to every year. Big upsets. And uh, I didn't expect it to be like that on Tuesday. But then Wednesday, I mean, th- I think we all knew what was happening. Once I saw... Uh, Gerangelo St. John on the mound. I was like, he's going to give them fits because he's a really good pitcher. He's not just a a guy that can throw both sides or both arms. He's somebody that can actually pitch and he's going to do well for him all year. Um, now, is he going to do what he did on Wednesday all year long? Nope. He'll get hit around. Dimitri, before the show, you, you brought up his off-speed stuff is not elite. I mean, it's it gets the job done, but there will be some teams that, that hit him this year. But it's a cool story and he's got three years to develop before he's eligible to be drafted. So I'm excited to see uh, what they do with him for the next three years. I want to add, he was a well, – I have a bunch of things to say about this kid. First of all, he claimed Pembroke Pine. Pine. In, in our lingo in South Florida, we, we call it Pine, which is Pembroke Pine, just, outside, just south of Fort Lauderdale. That is Miami Hurricane territory. How mm-hmm. they let him get out of South Florida pisses me off. Like this kid should never have been left out, let out of the state of Florida. Even if you went to Florida, Florida State, how this guy ended up in Starkville and not one of the three Florida schools blows my mind. He was a draft pick by Baltimore. I want to say I'm not sure what round off the top of my head. He was a draft pick, um, but they wanted him as the position player. They viewed him better as a position player than as a pitcher, but he wanted the pitch. So that's. The, the story behind him landing at Mississippi State. He wanted to pitch. He wanted to pitch both sides. Um, and Baltimore thought he was the better as a position player. So 
the amount of two-way guys we're seeing in the country right now is unbelievable. Um, that this guy was drafted as a position player, but he also throws left and right over 90 miles an hour. It's unbelievable. Doesn't make sense, dude. But it, it, my question is, my, I have questions. How many pitches does he throw between inning on the right? Does he go all six, five, six warm-up pitches between innings? Uh, right I have an answer. I have an answer for this. So he, he actually did an interview with Perfect Game uh, right before the draft. You know how MLB Network and Perfect Game and stuff will do like interviews? And he said it takes him 30 minutes longer to warm up on the left side than it does the right side in the bullpen. He said his right side's good to go pretty much whenever. His left side takes him a little while to get warmed up. And so he will typically throw more pitches left-handed in the bullpen before he goes out on the mound um, than, than right-handed. And then I guess in the game, it's really just situational. If he knows he's going to face three righties, he'll warm up all right But you right-handed. can't do that, dude, because that means that – mean, let's just hypothetically say he throws six warm-up pitches with his right arm, faces three hitters, three up, three down, goes and sits down, comes back – that means his left arm has been sitting for two innings. There's no way he doesn't throw a couple warm-up pitches lefty. Or majority of his warm like let's just say he goes four lefty, ends it with two righty. Because that that way he knows he's gonna face two or three righties every inning, right? Yeah. His right his right arm is consistent staying hot. Left arm, he's gotta get a couple in there to keep it loose as much as he can. Because if he faced a lefty every four or five hitters, let's say that could be two innings of waiting. That's why I'm so curious. Yeah, like I said, it's situational. It has to be. And then his arm care routine is he everything that I, all pitchers do right handed? Did he do? Is he just doing everything double? Like has that's to be, a lot right? of work. He has to post be. game. Post game, is he getting massage and treatment on both arms? Like like all these things that I thought about, like that I do with my right arm or that I do. He's got to do double crazy. Yeah. Crazy. To me. And and one of my favorite, and this will be the last thing we talk about on this before we move on to the next one. But one thing that I want to end on social media, I've seen this happen so many times with people commenting. It's like, how many, how many pitches can he throw? Like 180? Can he throw like 175? Could he throw 200 pitches in a, in a game or in a weekend? It's like, no, dude, no guys, he's not. It, it, it takes the human body a lot to throw baseballs like a hundred times like between the legs and the core um you know all this stuff your body gets tired you're not going to throw 200 pitches effectively like a hundred from each side you just your body won't let it happen your legs will be dead you you'll see be guys naturally. yeah you'll be tired you get you see guys sweating uh, dripping sweat on the mound before first pitch of the game the, the warm-up routines all of that no he's not going to throw 200 pitches in a weekend Maybe you'll get 100, 120 at the most. But, um, yeah, of course, it, it protects the arm. But at the same time, your body gets worn down. Well, well, you got to remember, he's probably going to get to 100 pitches with his right arm before he ever gets to 120, 130 with his left. Yeah. Unless he's facing a super left-handed heavy, left-handed line, heavy lineup. So, like, you got to think realistically, 75 – from the right arm in 20, 25 from the left. If, if that's if he goes five, six, seven oh. innings, he'll get to a hundred. Also, also, last thing I want to say about it. I know I promised the listeners, but if I'm a coach and he's starting on the mound, I'm putting way more left-handers in the lineup than right-handers because he's not as, I mean, I don't think he is. I don't think he's as good with his left side. He throws a little bit slower. No, no, he's not ball. as good. 
he's not as good. So your advantage there is just have a bunch of lefties face lefty on lefty. That's your best shot. You're getting 92 instead of 97. You're getting a sweeping breaking ball versus a sharp one. That's the strategy to beat him, I think. I mean, he's still a great pitcher from both sides of the plate. So one way or another, you still got your work cut out for you. But I, I, I mean, that's kind of like just like saying righty starting on the mound. Why didn't the team put all their lefties in? It's the same concept. I don't think you can overthink that too much. Right, and in college baseball, you're just going to put your best nine out. The there. only thing I would do personally is if you have three lefties, you better be switching them off one, two, one, 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 one for your first six hitters. Okay, that's fair. All well, right, so think about it. Think about it. That's the best way to do it. Is go righty, lefty, righty, lefty. That's your best counter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what I would say is is common sense. No but, rhythm. He it's harder for him to get in the rhythm, stuff like that. Maybe. Yeah, I, I'm down with that. Louisiana um, Monroe went back to back lefties, which I thought was stupid. They should have split them up. Yeah. All right. Can we move on, on to South Florida's huge comeback against the University of Florida? Seven run comeback in the ninth, and you cl- you clipped everything, Dimitri, and actually got South Florida's. Um, social media manager sending us a DM saying, thank you for clipping that and posting that it was uh so for all of the gamblers out there probably had Florida minus two eighty in their, in their money line parlays that they did. I saw a lot of people on social media angry about it and Florida is just rolling this game there. It's not even close. They're just playing much better baseball than, than the bulls. And in this, in the ninth inning, it, it got really bad for him. And uh, Dimitri, I'm going to let you kind of ha- handle this topic because you watched it. I-, I don't know if you watched it live or not, but you were texting me throughout it, and I was watching a different game. Didn't even expect South Florida to make this big comeback, but that's what makes college baseball so great is no lead is safe. You can have a 10-run inning or a 7-run inning like that. It-, it-, it happens all the time between walks and errors and, and home runs because of juiced baseballs. So kind of walk us through that comeback there for, for South Florida. Um, well, first of all, the the pe- people that want to make the game shorter are kicking and screaming because the pitch clock didn't shorten that game. Game game seven runs in the ninth inning. You got to get all 27 out to end the game. Can't run the clock out. So <laughs> you can't. First, like, that's just an example of like, I think it's stupid when they're trying to consistently change that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, First, ninth inning, A3. Guy hit the home run, A4. Next guy, fly ball to right. Florida right fielder missed, dropped it. Man on third, base hit, walk or something. Three-run homer, game tied, just like that. 8-8. Another base hit, uh, triple, wild pitch, 10-8. Next thing you know, South Florida, three pitching changes. I mean, it, it was just like bang, 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 pretty Dude, fast. Dude, it happened fast because, like I mentioned earlier, I was watching a completely different game. I, I already wrote that off as Florida winning it. And then you texted me, you're like, hey, South Florida's making a huge comeback. And then by the time I could turn it on, it was already 10 to 8. I was like, what just happened? How did that happen so fast? Yeah. Um, it but was pretty credit fast. To, credit to Coach Sullivan at Florida. You tweeted this later. That he he ended up not bringing his bringing his closer in because he pitched the day before, and he's not worried about these games early in the year. He he wants to focus on later in the season and 
not overusing guys. So credit to Soli for just kind of taking that egg on his face and, and blowing a huge lead and, and just saying, hey, we'll get him later. Hey, there you, that did, let me point something out here. The difference between a Florida and a, just for example, because you said earlier, Mur- Murray State. Murray State's got to win every game they can, or the Louisiana Monroe, or the McNeese, or the whoever these, the smaller schools are. They've got to win every game because in order for them to get in the postseason, they have one or two ways. Win 40-plus game or win their conference tournament. Yeah, Florida can Florida can handle losing a game against South Florida, no big deal. So that's like the kind of the luxury or the benefit you can kind of say, "Hey, we got to take care of our arm." Um, whether it's one hundred percent justified or not, could that guy have thrown one inning last night or two out? Absolutely, no. Of course, he could have. Mm-hmm. And he but was probably, probably pissed he didn't get in the game. Florida's yeah, closer was probably like too. angry. He was like, too. "Dude, just use me. I'm good." You know, but, um, but it, anyway, it didn't happen. Point is, that's a luxury they have that some other program might not have during the course of the season. Will Florida will pay off for Florida? Probably. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just kind of un, just kind of something I wanted to point out that not Florida, every school has the luxury of the Yeah. Florida knows that they can finish in the top nine teams in the SEC and be a lock for the postseason. They can finish in ninth place in the SEC and make the tournament. So they're not worried about these midweek games right now. It's not going to hurt their resume. It's whatever. They'll brush it off. They'll get back to it. And uh, so speaking of, uh, let's go through some some big upsets that we had this midweek. Abilene Christian walks off Oklahoma. Very exciting game. It was at Globe Life Field. And somebody on Twitter, God, I should have looked it up. I should have I should have jotted this down. But they were like, so confused why Oklahoma doesn't play very many games in their home ballpark. They play so many in like neutral sites and, and they play quite a few every year in Globe Life Field in Arlington. Uh, and that was just funny to me. Like, why aren't we, why aren't we, we playing play games on our there. campus? Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Them and Dallas Baptist both. I mean, Oklahoma played a home and home at Globe Life against Texas Tech last year. Big 12 tournament at Texas at Globe Life. Um, I want to say they played Texas or Arkansas. They played Texas at Globe Life last year. Well, I think they played in the the showdown, whatever you call it, the State Farm Showdown last year. No, but didn't they play the three game series with Texas there last year? Something like that. They they play there a lot, and and I thought that was funny. But um, credit to Abilene Christian, good good story there, getting the walk off, and and, and yep. I hey. love the the light show that they had there uh, after the walk off. Just to com- to clarify, to confirm, they did play Texas at Globe Life. That's so, so weird. So they played man. a three-game series that Globe Life, and they were the home team. So really weird. I wonder, I wonder why. I don't know. Maybe they just don't like their home field. Anyways, um, so Lamar upsets Texas A&M and then comes back the next day and beats Kansas State. That was fun because Tuesday was at Texas A&M. Wednesday was at Lamar. And they, they took care of both of those teams. They got an SEC win and a Big 12 win. In, in just two days. So Lamar might be really good this year. And I hope so. I hope Lamar ends up, you know, making the tournament because from what I saw both days, the pitching looked really good from him. Is Lamar, this might be the stupidest question I've asked in a while. Is Lamar in Texas, right? Yeah, it's in Beaumont, Texas. And uh, 
So Beaumont, Texas is very eastern part near Louisiana, and it's an old industrial town. And it, it's I, I used to play a lot of travel ball tournaments there. They have like nice, like probably 16 fields all with turf, like a big sports complex. And uh, I don't know, it was it was a big, big city in uh, like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, still is a city now, but it's not as thriving as what it used to be, at least from what I understand. But it's a it's a pretty nice campus. They have a turf field, old minor league park that they play in. It's it's cool. They have like a hundred sponsors on their outfield wall. It's kind of funny. That's why I was about to ask. I was afraid. I was like, why am I thinking it's in Louisiana? I knew it was like somewhere close. Like it's very close. Maybe less than okay. thirty minutes from cool. from the border. Hey, who's Lamar's? This is a trivia question for you, Lamar. Lamar University. Who is their biggest baseball alumni? Shit, I have no absolutely, absolutely. No I'll, I'll idea. give you a hint. He's a huge MLB analyst that has his own show. It used to be big on MLB Network, but he left. Kevin Millar. Yeah, Huh? Kevin Kevin Millar went to Lamar. Oh wow! Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway, some other upsets. Central Arkansas, huge upset over Vanderbilt, and I feel like that happens to Vanderbilt every year as well. A mid-major team goes into their ballpark and beats them. Vanderbilt just couldn't score runs, dude. They had plenty of opportunity, and uh, Central Arkansas. That was cool. That was cool to see. That's a team that. They were pretty good when you were playing college ball, right? Central Arkansas was a was a solid team back then. I have a picture. My own. I don't know why. Like, we didn't have the access to ESPN three like today. I should have recorded. I should have recorded all my outings. I would love to be able to go back and watch them today, but I don't have them. Um, but yeah, we played. We my my last game my sophomore year was against Central Arkansas in the Starkville Regional. Um, they were a really good team. Really good team. Yeah, so good for them. Uh, Campbell, that Campbell ECU game was my favorite game from the midweek. Very, dude, very even teams there. Very even. I, you I, know what? You know what? I loved about that game it it wasn't a big like big SEC you know whatever game, but it, it, I still got this weird feeling that like Campbell with the smaller school team trying to get a big win but it well, really, that really wasn't the case like that yeah, was a game that east carolina wants to win too like that like you know what i mean oh well campbell's definitely the smaller school and they're not ranked and east carolina was a top 10 team yes yeah but at the same time they it felt like they were on the same even playing field that that's what i'm sense. saying dude talent wise you couldn't really if the teams would have switched uniforms it would have been exactly the same. Like no, nobody really stood out, which Maybe says a lot about Campbell. Yeah, if full depth, probably East Carolina probably had some more depth. Yeah, but overall, um, one through nine, probably similar. Yeah, and, and there was a good turnout, good crowd there. Saw a good mix between the the purple in the stands and the is is Campbell orange and black? Is it an orange or is it like a a brown or a gold? I, I'm colorblind, so you have to help me here. They're what, orange. They're orange and black. I can't believe. Okay. Yes. They looked orange and black. But, yeah, there was a good mix between that and the crowd. Uh, but it was a big game. It felt like it was getting a lot of national attention. There was a lot of eyeballs 
watching that game and, and it didn't disappoint. Yeah. Campbell jumped out to a four nothing lead. It looked like they were going to blow him out and East Carolina took advantage of Campbell's left fielder dropping that fly ball. And I think they scored two or three I thought, runs. I thought, I thought that was game over. Dude, I knew when that ball was in the air and that as a, as a former outfielder myself, anytime you're chopping your feet and like running in circles, it, you're, you're making a lot harder on yourself to catch the ball because your eyes are moving and bouncing around your head's bouncing around. I knew when I saw his feet chopping and like going in little circles, Uh-oh. he was not catching that ball. He, he didn't put his glove up until like the last second. So I don't know if no. he didn't see the ball or if he A saw it too well. Stab. Yeah. Or if he saw it too well and he just couldn't get under it. But yeah, I, I thought after that, I was like, East Carolina is going to run away with this. But have you noticed something that really makes, I, don't, I guess, happy, but more people are no, are like nowadays like on Twitter and stuff, more people know who the good teams are, who the good programs are. Like, I don't know if it's because Campbell is getting that much better or is that more people are becoming aware of teams outside of your power five, typical your SEC, ACC, your brand name school. More people are like, more people are noticing like that Campbell's a a really good program. That's a great point. Keep going. I'm going to finish you up on that, but that's a great point. Keep going. Like I've, I've really noticed that more people are becoming aware of good teams outside of, and it hasn't been the case until, honestly, maybe at the end of last year or in the early this year. I'm really impressed with how many people are aware of who's good, who's not good, and how it's becoming more like normal knowledge. I, I want to say, uh, uh, yeah. So to piggyback off of what you just said, I have a great example of how the national knowledge is much better now about these smaller teams than what it used to be just six years or seven years ago when I was playing my junior year, 2016. And I'm a college baseball nut. Like I knew more about college baseball than pretty much anybody else at Mercer uh, because I followed it nationwide. Same, same. Yeah. So we're, we're very similar like type of people on the team. Right. So 2016, who won the college world series? It was coastal Carolina, right? I had no idea. Coastal Carolina was, first of all, good that season, and they were. They ended up winning the conference. I think they were a two-seed in the tournament. I had no idea that, like, two seasons before that, they won almost 50 games. Or maybe they did win 50 games. I had no idea who they were, or I couldn't couldn't tell you if it was North Carolina or South Carolina. I I didn't know their colors. I didn't know their mascot. And, And I'm sure there was people that really followed college baseball more than me that that knew about them and knew that they were a great team, great program. But someone that was playing college baseball at that time in the southeast region of the United States, no idea Coastal Carolina was good. And they ended up winning the College World Series. And so, today, today, a team of that caliber during about halfway through the season, if maybe if not earlier, everybody will know who they are. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to say something about that. The o- only reason why I knew about Coastal and how good they were from 2009, 2010, 2011, all the way on, is because two of my really good friends played at Liberty, and they literally built their teams. I went on my when I went on my recruiting visit to Liberty. Their goal, the way they built their roster every single year, was to beat Coastal Carolina in the Big South. It was Liberty and Coastal every single year in the Big South Championship, and they couldn't yeah. beat them. Coastal kept winning every year, and that's how I originally like knew about Coastal. Mm-hmm. And 
then then Liberty left the Big South, and it was just Coastal's conference to run away with until they left for the Sun Belt. Yeah. Um. I mean, so yeah, I mean, you would never miss that now. You never ever would miss it, and uh, so. Yeah, it's crazy how much the the game has grown nationally, which you know we love. We love to see. It's unbelievable. If 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 people don't notice, just notice how teams start speaking of teams that you've probably never heard of. If you're not a fanatic, if you're just a casual, you will notice. Like you'll see a lot of people well, well, well aware of who Campbell was last year. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And that would have never happened. That would have never happened ten years ago. No, Mississippi State didn't know, and Mississippi State fans are a little bit different. They're really, really invested and aware and knowledgeable of the sport of college baseball because they go every week into their game. Like they're 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 more invested in the sport than some others, but they didn't know who the hell we were. They didn't know who the hell Central Arkansas was. Maybe they knew who South Alabama was, but like for the most part, they all the Mississippi State fans knew who we were. Yeah, but everybody else didn't. You know who's another good example is like the Stetsons and Jacksonvilles. Back when I I was playing, and a few years after it, I think my my senior year, I think they each hosted, or maybe one of them. I think Stetson hosted a regional. One of the years I was playing, and uh, and people are like, "What? What is Stetson? Who who are they?" And yeah, that would have never happened today. Like nowadays, people would know months in advance if they were good or not. Yeah. Um, Anyways, the last couple of things I want to talk about here from the midweek, the uh, Oklahoma State no-hitter against Cal Baptist. That was really cool to see. And and that was something Oklahoma State needed to happen because of the pitching performance they had in the State Farm Showdown, giving up just bukus of runs the last couple of days. Uh, so good for Oklahoma State to get back on track. Trey Morgan, cycle. That was cool. and And that was so funny to me because – I tweeted out from the 11.7 account when Southern was up four to nothing. I was like, don't, don't share this with any of your LSU friends. That would be a real shame. And of course, LSU went on an 18 0 run and just absolutely obliterated Southern. You know, what's something one of my favorite parts about the whole Twitter thing is when we fire off a hot take or a bat or like an old, uh, what are the old takes exposed? Mm-hmm. Something like that. I love when people just start coming in and being like, yeah, okay, idiot. Oh, check the score now. I think I started laughing because I think it's I was so giving funny. updates though. And people would go back three hours to a tweet and be like, what's the score now? And I'd be like, dude, I tweeted, I tweeted two, like 10 minutes no, ago no, no, that LSU was okay. up eight to yeah. eight to four. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not a bad thing. I think it's awesome because I think it's like, Southern with a four nothing. What else? What do you want us to say? Oh, like we're just reacting. We just react as the game goes on. We're not a, we're not scared to just react to the live situation. Yeah, so, I mean, we I needed to funny. notify. Well, really we needed to notify the country on a, was it a Tuesday at three p.m. What was going on? And LSU at that time was down four to nothing to a very exactly. inferior opponent. Which one more? One more little nugget off of that game. How funny was it that that game was the number one RPI team versus the number 50 RPI team in the nation and Southern was the number one RPI team and, and LSU was the number 50. In my head, I'm like, how did Jay Johnson just absolutely manipulate? Southern have ever won number one RPI. Yeah, but he, 
that just boosted LSU's RPI tremendously because they got a win over number one RPI. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but let's be honest that will that game will mean nothing at the end of the year. It doesn't it, it matter that they got a win now. over number one. Yeah, it means nothing. I now. hope you know that, right? Yeah, I know, dude. I know how the RPI works. I hate it. No, I know. But some people like number one, a win over the number one ranked team week three, and then that team ends up unranked. They're going to be like, well, they did have a number, a win over number one ranked team when it, when they played. Yeah. RPI doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It's, it's an always a fluid situation. So, yeah, always very fluid. Anyway, so we got, we got two segments left, and I'm going to let you pick which one we do next. Do you want to do our Patreon questions that we're allowing our Patreon members to ask? Uh, before the show, or do you want to do our weekend series pick them first? Let's, Which one do you want to do? Let's do let's answer some questions now. I like ending the show on the picks. All right, cool. So uh this one's from D Love 2. How much stock should you put into midweek games? And do you consider it an upset if the smaller school only wins one game, or do they have to win both games for a Tuesday, Wednesday uh sweep? Um so one can you repeat answer, can you repeat that question again? Yeah, so it's kind of two questions in the one. So how much stock should you put in the midweek games? If I'm so I'll answer this in my opinion. Early in the season, I put very little stock in the midweek games because right now you're you're traveling with pretty much your full roster and you're you're playing players and pitching players that probably aren't going to be a part of your travel roster or your squad or at least in your rotation come the end of the year. So you're, you're trying out new pieces to see maybe if somebody who struggled in the fall or struggled in the pre-spring can help your team win. Um, so I don't put as much in the early season midweek games as I would maybe towards the middle of the season or the end. Um, so do you have anything you want to add to that first part of the question? I think midweek separate good teams from great team. I think great team take care of business in the midweek. I think good team can win on the weekend, but they can't keep continue the success through the midweek. I've heard a good theory that teams that play well in the midweeks do really well in regionals because they're because of their fourth and fifth guys and the depth of their team to get through a regional, get through a conference tournament, which Mm -hmm. is what my point is. Good team go up and down through weekends and midweek. They lose midweek game. Great team don't lose midweeks. Yeah, and, and what I mean, and that means they're playing. They're not playing down to their competition. They take it means, care of business. It means their offense beats up on bad pitching, and their their pitchers um, take advantage of their opportunities on the mound, like deep into the bullpen or yeah. deep in their starting rotation. So yeah, um, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. And then um, I, I guess to answer the second part of the question, pretty simply where it says, like, do you consider an upset if the smaller school wins one game or if they win both? Uh, if, if the smaller school wins one game, I think it's an upset. It, 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 I guess it depends on what, like, how small we're talking. But, for example, like Louisiana Monroe beating Mississippi State, that was an upset for me because they beat them. They, they weren't on the road. They were on the road, and they won the first game of the, of the two, which is the hardest one to win out of both, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I think it's so hard for me to say it's an upset because it happens every week of the season, 14 weeks of the year. It happens. Not like college football or basketball. Like basketball is a little more prevalent, um, but football, like an upset is an upset. 
baseball is just a different sport, man. There's that saying, any pitcher can beat anybody on any given day. So it's like any team, whatever. I hate saying it's a full-on upset, but it is an upset at the end of the day. It's just not, it's just for me, it's not as shocking as for the casual fan. Uh, my my definition of an upset, I think a lot of listeners will learn something from. It's when one team is way more excited about winning that game than they are winning like other games on their schedule. So, for example, when we were at Mercer, when we would beat Georgia or Georgia Tech, that felt a lot better to me than any other games that we would win on our schedule. The only thing that mattered to me more was that we can sweep. That was the only no, time I was more happy me. than winning, beating Georgia Tech on a Tuesday. Not for me. So I, in my two really? years at Mercer, I, we played Georgia twice, um, and we played Georgia Tech twice. We, I was two and zero against Georgia, and no, no, yeah, two and zero against Georgia, and two or sorry, two and zero against Georgia, one and one against Georgia Tech, and the one loss was a walk off. Um, you only played. But, you only at Mercer one year. Two. So oh that wait. That means you went two and two against Georgia Tech. Oh wait, wait, wait. Two. Yeah, you're right. We played them twice each year. I don't know. I only lost one game between those. Uh, I guess. Two, so you four, went three eight. and one against Tech and two and two and one uh, two and zero oh against Georgia. Yeah. So, um, anyways, what I'm getting to is those games meant a lot more to me winning those games versus a weekend sweep. Hundred percent. Interesting. I I would always I was more pumped on Sunday afternoon after a weekend sweep in the conference. But that, I expected really to sweep. To I always kind of expected to sweep in conference. We were the best team in our conference. You we guys, swept you a guys lot. got gifted a freaking cupcake of a conference. My first three years in the Atlantic Sun with a with, with, that shit was hard. Like <laughs> our first year in the SoCon, we we cruised, we rolled through it. Yeah, um, and we weren't even that wasn't even the best team of my four years. It wasn't even close to the best team I was on. So maybe I'm just a little more biased in that way because like. We had Florida Gulf Coast come to town one year. We were both top 25 in the country, and we swept them at home. And it was just like, holy shit, this means way more than beating Georgia Tech. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's I'm, at, I'm at that magnitude. I, I have a different experience. Well, when we swept – so my senior year, we swept East Carolina when they were number eight in the country. And, yeah, that felt really good. But it was because they were number eight in the country, and they were a big school. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I just, I just, I just value a weekend sweep over an in-state, big in-state rival win any, any day of the week. But okay, to each their own. Yeah. Um. All right. So this next one comes from Chris Phillips in the Big Cock Club, uh, South Carolina. What do you make of the hot swinging bats, and is it sustainable? Um. Depends well, on what you mean by sustainable. This like, what they're they doing right now. Field? Yeah, this what they're doing right now is not sustainable. They're they're playing pretty weak competition, but their bats are way better this year than they have been the last few years. Um, they they are having great at bats, and obviously they're hitting more home runs and they're driving in more runs. But this isn't the free swinging South Carolina teams that are, you know, three pitches and their at bats done or chasing a pitch, um, their you know, the first pitch of the at bat and popping it up. These guys are looking to drive the ball and get their pitch. So the approach is a lot better. I don't think they'll be able to – not even close to sustain what they're doing right now, hitting 21 homers in their first five games. But the, their lineup looks good, a lot better than what we're used to seeing. 
this is the most mature and deep lineup I've seen from South Carolina in probably the last four or five years. I want to say four years. This is yeah. the deepest they've been. And that includes um, a lineup with West Clark. Don't forget they had, West, they had yeah. West Clark and all that stuff. But West Clark, which is one of nine guys, this team, I think, has six guys that can consistently hit and make game have game-changing at-bat. So um, I think this lineup is more mature. Um, it's not a star studied like star power West Clark name brand in there, but this team is definitely more mature, more focused, more disciplined. Just a better lineup, in my opinion. I, and, I love, and it's put together better. I love the the transfer portal guys that they got with Will McGillis, Tristan Casas. Like those guys are going to hit fifteen to twenty bombs each, and that just helps the lineup. Just salty vets yeah. in there that have been in big games before. Um, so. so so and you can still get you can still get South Carolina two hundred to one odds to win the College World Series, which is worth the flyer right now. Absolutely. Um, to answer your question, no, it's not sustainable. But is it good? Yes. It yeah. is. A, it is. I don't want to say it is um, a fluke. It's not a fluke. They are a good hitting team. They're getting what they deserve, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, next next question comes here from. A underscore pseudonym, fire Scott Strickland, question mark. Uh, for the listeners that don't know Scott Strickland, he's in year number eight, I believe, at Georgia. Came over from Kent State after their College World Series run in 2013. He was at Kent State, yep. And, uh, yeah, it's getting pretty close to time to fire Scott Strickland, in my opinion. Um, Funny story about Scott Strickland. Before Strickland was David Perno. Perno was a legend at Georgia, but he was also a very hated coach as well by a lot of people. He was the original over-recruit, send leftovers to Juco Pipeline, bring them back. That was Perno's philosophy. Recruit 25, 30 guys every recruiting class. Run them all through fall camp. The ones he doesn't want, he sent them to Young Harris Junior College. Yeah. After one year, if they had a good season over there, developed better, he brought them back into Georgia. And it was just every year he kept doing the same thing. And he burned a lot of bridges, pissed a lot of people off, and it was just unethical. Was it legally wrong? No, it's just unethical. And with Mercer, he was pissed off. They didn't have their own designated bathroom behind their dugout that they had to go under the bleachers and come to use our dugout during the game. So <laughs> that's why they stopped playing each other. Him and Gibson got in a verbal argument, and he, they stopped playing each other. Long Fast forward, Strickland got his ass beat because I never played Georgia in my four years. I never played Georgia one. Really? Never. We, we never played him because Perno wouldn't play us. And Strickland's first year, I guess the schedule was already set or something like that. Ended up convinced – Gibson convinced him to play. You guys beat the shit out of them. He can't. He called the dogs off again and wouldn't play. Wouldn't play Mercer anymore. Yeah. So that's uh, why I have. I I could care less about Georgia baseball, but Georgia's too good of a damn school, and that football program is elevating the standard there real quick to winning. Georgia was a winning program not too long ago, for sure. A very winning program, and yeah, I don't think he's got much room left. It, it sucks, though. I give Strickland some leeway because his best team was in 2020 by far, 
with Emerson Hancock and Tucker Bradley and um, oh man, I forget the guy's name. They had, Emerson, they had, Emerson Hancock, Tucker Bradley. Um, they had that lefty hitter. He was freak. He he had a smooth swing. Um, that was Tucker Bradley, wasn't it? No, 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 no. Their power hitter. Um, I'll I'll tell you right now, twenty twenty Georgia baseball roster because this was a loaded team for people that they, don't. They hosted remember. a regional in twenty nineteen. Yeah, it was but, them, but Florida State, State FAU, and Mercer. Yeah, but twenty twenty, it was um. They obviously we already went over. Cam Shepard with that short, he was really good. Jonathan yeah, he, Cannon was was, was Cam Shepard the uh, Cam Shepard the third baseman closer. Something. Yep. Jonathan Cannon with their number one Friday night yeah. guy. Um, I think Cole Wilcox was one of their good play pitchers too. Hey, Cole Wilcox um, has a good college baseball podcast. And, and then they had Emerson Hancock, Cheney Roger. Connor Tate, Garrett Blaylock. Um, I mean that team was really good. Anyway, yeah, I think I think he's running out of time. Yeah, he's running out of time because there's no excuse not to be one of the best recruiting classes every year with the the amount of talent that Georgia has, especially in that um, you know outer Atlanta circle. What do, what do you guys call it there? The suburbs or something? The Georgia brand is powerful right now. Yeah, it really is. There's there's a lot of good athletes there. So yeah, he's this might be his last year. He might get one more year, but I feel bad for him because that 2020 season was going to be their year to make a big Omaha push. And um, anyway, so let's move on to the next question here. We'll do two more. Um, let's see. Oh, I remember Sorry. one. I want I wanted to answer. Which uh, someone asked us which like group of five mid major, um, however you want to say it, head coaches have the best chance of getting a power five job next year or the year soon. Um, two off the top of my head is Mike Trout from Texas state and Justin Hare from Campbell are the two did that come to you, my head. Did you say Mike Trout? Did you just say Mike Trout? No, Mike, Stephen Trout. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Trout. Hey, Mike Trout could get any head coaching job he wants. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if he wants it. He'll retire from baseball and get the LSU job. Um, but yeah, those are two off the jump off the top of my head. Scott um, Jackson from Liberty. No, Scott ja- Scott Jackson not going anywhere. He gets paid way too much money, and he's in way too good of a situation for, for him to go anywhere. That's fair. Liberty had the li- Liberty write blank checks. Yeah, I would say the same thing about Matt Deggs in Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Um, I think he's making pretty good money down there, and he's he's where he wants to be, but. He is somebody that if the University of Texas job opened up or even... It's got to be a big name job. Yeah, but I still think he would not... Con- I don't know if he would consider it. I think he wants to be at Louisiana. You don't think if Ole Miss came calling or Texas A&M or Texas... You don't think he's rolling out? Maybe. I mean, probably he probably should, but I don't know if he would. But who 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 else would you say outside of the ones we just named? Um, what's, what's Georgia Southern's head coach's name? I forget his name all the time. Oh my God. Um, oh my God. Rodney, um, Rodney, Rodney. Oh my God. Dude, it's dude, something you... simple. Uh, Hennon, Hennon. Coach Rodney Hennon. Rodney Hennon. Yeah. I mean, he's somebody that he could go get any, he's kind of like, he's on the same level as far as, 
he, but dude, he the tenured coach at Georgia. That's Southern. what I'm saying. For him to leave, it would be. I don't think. I don't know if he would leave. That's his career. That's his. That's his. He built that program. Mm-hmm. So for him to leave, I feel like that would take a lot. I think Hare, the great. I think that's someone that would take a big name job. Um, Lane Burroughs from Louisiana Tech could do that. If he a, could be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Carrick Jackson honestly, from Memphis. He's he's a big name. He went who? from Georgia. I think his name is Carrick Jackson. Coach Jackson from Memphis. He was Georgetown and then Team USA for a little bit. Now he's at Memphis. He's somebody that could bounce around to somewhere bigger. He's an elite coach. Yeah. He's made hey, Memphis I wouldn't better. sleep on. Um, I wouldn't sleep on. Oh my, what's his name from Ball State? I don't know Ball State's coach. I forgot his name, but he he's been he's building a powerhouse. I mean, it's been a it's becoming an established, well known thing that pitchers come out of there. Yeah, and any head coach that can develop pitcher, it's gonna get his name called at those bigger schools. Developing pitching is not is seventy percent of the battle for sure. Um, all right, we'll do one more here. Um, thoughts on the oh, this one's from Grady Gardner. Thoughts on Nebraska start? Any thoughts on the series at South Alabama? That's the question you picked. Yeah, I had to. I had to address it. People have been giving me crap for it. Yeah, Nebraska, they got swept by San Diego. Well, actually, they went 0-3-1 because they had to tie a game on Monday uh, where they blew a seven-run lead. Counting of the law. Counting of the law. They blew a seven-run lead in the seventh, and then the, the game got canceled because of a flight they had to t- uh, they had a flight they had to catch. But, yeah, Nebraska, not a great start. Do I think that they can win this series at South Alabama? No, based off of what I saw. But, I mean, who knows? They could flip the switch and, and be better. I'm just disappointed in their pitching. I, I was expecting their pitching to be a lot better this year, and they're, they're not. They're bad. They give up a lot of late-inning runs. Their offense is fine. They've scored some runs, but they're they're not going to win the Big Ten. No shot. They're not winning the Big Ten. No. And, and, and if we can go around the whole country and talk about overreaction, then um, what's that? What's that? What's that segment they used to do on ESPN? Um, panic or or um, sell or what? What was that? Buy or sell? Buy or sell? Buyer or buy or sell? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I think we can do a couple of these before we get into our pick based on our based on our early Eyeballs. preseason. <laughs> Based on our early preseason picks, Ben. Here we go. Here's my first one for you. We we we're gonna start with the Big Ten. You had Nebraska winning the Big Ten. I had Maryland. What would you would you buy or sell on your Nebraska pick? Um. Well, if I sell, I'm selling them at the lowest point, so I might as well hold on to them, and maybe they'll flip a switch. But I'm not buying any more Nebraska if this is stock. I bought my Nebraska stock. It's at its lowest point, hopefully, and I might sell it later on. But there's... what about what about my Maryland pick? Are you buying or selling? Yeah, Maryland's a good team. They're they're a good team. I think what Maryland win over last weekend over South Florida showed me the most wasn't oh they're beatable. It would oh wow this team is mature and old and knows how and they can rebound and take the next two on the road even in a tight game where. Excuse me. South Florida took the freaking lead on Sunday. Maryland answered right back, and then you blew them out, blew the doors off. Um, 
And what now, Maryland looked four wide, Maryland, but they were in control. Yeah. Now Maryland looked really bad against West Virginia in the midweek, and I don't know if it was because West Virginia's bats were still hot from Sunday at, at Georgia Southern, but they did show a big sign of weakness that when when Maryland's best arms aren't throwing, they have a bunch of pretty bad pitchers out there. All right. Here's another one. Tennessee winning the SEC. Yeah, I mean, you're putting me in a bad position here again. I would, I would rather you maybe say something about, uh, you know, Southern. Here we go. Here we go. Southern Indiana is looking go. really I'm good. Not, no. <laughs> Houston Baptist, Houston Christian, excuse me, winning the Southland. That is a hard sell. Well, I didn't realize that Houston Christian couldn't even get their baseball team the right uniforms this year. Did you see that? Yep. Yeah, Houston still Christian Houston is Baptist. still wearing they're still wearing their Houston Baptist jerseys because I guess they didn't have the funding to get new jerseys in time for the season. No, so, I, I don't think it was a funding issue. I think it was a time constraint. Well, you can always expedite jerseys being printed if you have the money. They did maybe, not. Maybe. Um, yeah, but yeah, they look they look yeah. terrible, man. They look really, really, really bad. Over this this is super early over or buyer sell. George Southern winning the fun belt. And it'd be hard not to say Southern Miss right now after what I've seen. Or Texas State. I would I would love to actually maybe one of the next episodes before conference play start. I want to see these team schedules and and go through a full Sunbelt schedule breakdown because it really will depend on where these games are going to be playing. And you know, if the games are at Texas State versus at Georgia Southern or at Southern Miss versus Coastal Carolina. Or, or at, at Louisiana or Coastal. Right. So that that is going to probably make my decision a lot easier on who's going to win the Sun Belt because it's one of those conferences where home field advantage right, plays a hey, big, big factor. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do next. You want to do it next Sunday or the Sunday after that. Basically, you have a one chance. You have one chance in every conference to change it. Yeah, we'll do that. That'd be fun. Right before conference play? That'd be fun. Yeah. You have one chance to change your pick. I and To go back to your SEC, SEC thing, I, I would still keep Tennessee right now, but God, it's going to kill me. I don't know if Tennessee is going to be able to score a ton of runs this year. I think I, I, I'm, 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 I'm still very confident in my Tennessee pick. I don't think Arkansas had wooed me yet. Like I'm like, uh, they're a very beatable team. They're a good team, but they're beatable. Um, I think LSU, let's just see how LSU developed that team develops over the next three, four, five weeks. They're still the team to beat, but I think I think Tennessee doesn't have that spotlight on them. They've still got that chip on their shoulder. Tony Vitello is still their head coach. I think that team will be ready to go when SEC rolled around. They're going to be older, more mature, more more chemistry. I still like my pick. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll, Florida, I'll tell you. Florida, I'll tell you this. Um, I'll tell you this. In the SEC right now, I have reasons to love and reasons to hate about everybody and pretty much everybody in the conference. The only team that really I could see not winning it is Kentucky. And Missouri, of course. Missouri's not winning it. I know, but Missouri and Kentucky, I think, are two teams that I ha- I think have zero shot of winning it. But even if you put up an Alabama or an, or an Auburn, 
Alabama looks like a completely different team this year than in years past. They're scoring runs in bunches. They have a very loaded lineup, and the pitching staff is what's impressed me a lot. Same thing with uh, with Auburn. I think Auburn, at least on a Friday night and a Saturday standpoint, they can contend with anybody in the SEC. I really do believe that. Um, I think I, you know I don't who know. actually. You know who actually people might be low on that I would. This is a great time I would buy their stock right now. Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. Ooh. They could tech, they could become a really good team by the time May rolls around. They have the they've offense. got they've got athleticism all over the field. They've got a good bat. They've got pitching. I'm not saying they're pitching elite, but they've got pieces and pieces. If they find out how to put them all together correctly, because people forget the forget this. When you're Ben, let me ask: If you're hitting, you're on you're an offensive player. If you're in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, and you know, in the bullpen, you've got a stud that if we get the lead, it's over. It gives yeah. you more confidence at the plate to get a run, more motivated, more confident to get a run or two to win the game. Yeah, my, my thing is when I knew that my team had a better bullpen than the other team, it like I, I would just think back to all the inner squads or like whatever that we would practice against uh, our bullpen guys, you know, facing Robert Broom, who was an All-American, or uh, Christian Van or Austin Cox, guys that all played pro ball. And being like, well, our guys are better. I've faced them, and like, I, I'm I'm more confident swinging a bat against, you know, whoever it is, Evansville, or facing against UNCG's bullpen pieces because I knew our guys was better, and I, I've already faced them multiple times. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it does give you a little bit more confidence knowing that you. So my point just, is, just need to get one run across. My point is, when as the season develops and teams figure out all their pieces, their role pinch hitting, eighth inning guy, seventh inning guy. It changes everything in a team. When you have a revolving door in the bullpen, it's hard to it's hard to develop a routine. And, hey, we, we get one run here in the eighth. We, we're winning this game. It's like, oh, shit, are we even going to win? We have no idea. We're going to have to play all nine. We need another – we need our at-bats in the ninth. I'm telling you, it changes the team, and teams start rolling. Tennessee – they knew the mayor of Knoxville was coming in in the seventh inning to get out of a jam. They knew who they were coming in after that, and they knew who was closing the game. Their all-time all-time saves, career saves leader. They knew their role, and the game just became routine and automatic. First six innings. It was so repetitive. You're right. It first six innings, you know the routine. You just battle, battle, battle. Six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, it's time to hit our bull. Our seven, eight, nine guys are ready to come in this game. Let's get them the lead. Let's end this game. That's how these things happen. And you get in the routine. Winning becomes easy. And that's with teams like Mississippi State and some of these other teams. Once they find a routine, their seventh, eighth, ninth guys, they find their routine. Who's pinch hitting? Who's their defensive? Once they have that routine down, the game comes slower. Winning comes easier winning streaks become longer. That's just how it happens. So that's why I keep like to keep an eye on. Don't worry so much about the wins and loss right now. Worry about the um, three, four, five good innings of baseball in game. Yeah. When you start putting those together, they get longer. It becomes six innings, become seven innings. Your eighth innings become easier if you have guys. This is only if you find the right pieces. If you don't, as we all know, it becomes a long season. But if you start seeing bright spots in these places, put them all together when april rolled around you have a chance to win ball game 
Yeah, it's well said. I, I agree with that. And it, it does. You kind of have to have a player's mindset to get to where you just had, but it made a lot of sense to me. You, you just start fi- fi- like figuring out a routine and you know when in the game you can feel comfortable versus not comfortable. So, yeah, that's I mean, a good point. Because you see it all the time. Position player peeking over the bullpen. Who who are they warming up? Who's coming in? When you have a routine, they know who's coming in. You don't even have to think about it. The game slows down. Things become easier. Yeah. Nice. Um, all right, let's do this here. Let's go ahead and just do our weekend series pick, and let's spend about 30 minutes on this. We have six series to break down. We're making our picks. And really, this is the toughest one we've ever had. And I mentioned that earlier in the show, and I really believe it. I think it's, six, I think it's six toss-ups. By far and away, the hardest weekend series we've ever had in our five years doing this. It's it's incredible. I I I still haven't made my picks official yet. I haven't logged into eleven and haven't submitted my picks yet. Yeah, I was just gonna say, just so you, the listeners know, my screen is on our contest pick'em page right now with no picks. I have not submitted anything. My picks are being made as we go through these. Do I have an idea? Yes, but I do. I still don't know. I still don't know. Yeah. Well, let's start here at the top. We have. Florida State traveling to Texas. Oh, sorry. I almost said Texas Christian. We're just going to call them TCU. So traveling to Fort Worth, Texas to face TCU. And for me, it's I love Florida State's pitching and I love, love, love TCU's offense. I think this game is going to come, this series is going to come down to Sunday. I think Florida State will probably win maybe Friday night and then lose Saturday, and then it comes down Montgomery to Sunday's could win his, Montgomery could win his Friday night start. Yeah, I, I like Montgomery a lot on Friday to shut down that offense, but then you know TCU's offense is going to bounce back the next day, probably win on Saturday. I think if it comes to me, uh, game three, I, I'm going to tend with the better offense and at the home team, so I'm going to pick TCU here. Even though I, it wouldn't surprise me, man, if Florida State maybe bullies TCU. I'm not sure, man. I, I'm not sure. I hate that pick, but I'm going to ride with the Horned Frogs. Here's my, here's my difference maker on the weekend. Can Florida State win a game without Wyatt Crowell? So basically, they're going to win one game when he comes out of the pen for the 6th, 7th, 8th inning. Shut the door. They're going to have a lead in the fifth or sixth. They're going to use him, and he's going to win them a ball game. Yeah. Can they use him again? We'll see. Can they win a game without him? Can someone else step up in their bullpen and win a game? I don't know. The only this, – this, this series, I think, is truly 49%, 51%. Yeah, it's as close to 50-50 to me as we've ever had to um, make picks for. Um, I really want to just go with the home team. I really want to just go with the home team. But I think TCU had a great weekend last weekend. It's hard to put together back-to-back weekends, so I'm going to go with Florida State. So right now, on uh, I'm not going to say the sportsbook's name, but they do have lines for this Friday night game, and it's TCU minus 125 and Florida State minus 105. Can't get much more even than that. Yeah, it's I mean, 110-110 would be even, but yeah, the – so that Vegas slightly has TCU as a favorite on Friday, which 
if they won if they won Friday, they're probably going to win the series. So, so, so basically, if this game was in Tallahassee, it would be just that. It, that would be the flip. It would be flipped. I agree with that. Wow, but that, that's tough. I think when we see the pick'em results um, after tomorrow, I think more people are going to take TCU than Florida State. One hundred percent. Just because of, um, I don't know how. I don't know if our people in the competition know how good Florida State can be this year because they're not ranked high at all everybody saw what tcu did over the weekend i mean last weekend in that state farm showdown where they just mashed baseballs they ended up losing to missouri which is bad but i i think we're going to see a lot more tcu picks than uh than florida state i i think it's going to be about about 65 to 70 percent tcu i i agree with that all right, let's move to the next series here. In-state rivals. I guess we can call them rivals. I, I think m- more so for one team than the other. But North Carolina is traveling to Greenville, North Carolina, to face off against the Pirates of East Carolina. To the jungle. This hey, one... That what's that, hey, what's that song? Like, to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle? No, no, no. Been... Never mind. Never Are you mind. thinking of a Disney? I don't even song? want to sing anymore because my singing is absolutely horrendous. It's all right. Yeah. Well, less singing, more picking. For me in this series, I, I would I would hammer the over in all three games, whatever it is, unless the wind's blowing out like crazy. But for me, I think North Carolina is the better team as of right now. And East Carolina did use a lot of their guys in that Campbell midweek. Something's telling me to go with East Carolina here to win two out of three at home because I think they're going to – I don't know. I think they're going to be ready for this challenge. I'm going to take East Carolina here at home and and hope to God that they just mash the baseball and and, and just beat up on North Carolina's pitching staff. But – God, this one, this one hurts. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good pick. I think a lot of people You're going are going with be the honest. Pirates. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to take North Carolina though. Here, here, here's where I'm sitting on the 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 more fun, more exciting pick is to take East Carolina. The more, I want to say, intelligent, smarter pick might be North Carolina. Be, be if I if I post it when we post that graphic tomorrow and all these people see that I took North Carolina they're going to be tweeting at you oh we love you Ben I always knew you were our favorite yada 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 I know this what happens this what happens every time North Carolina I think this series means more to East Carolina than North Carolina they want to beat them improve they belong in the same level as North Carolina week in and week out every day. We know the East Carolina, they're hosting regional and super. We know they're, they're in the elite status. But everybody still, North Carolina is still the bigger school, the better brand, the more well-known brand. They're just the bigger school. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. Yeah. But in baseball, they're pretty even. East Carolina probably been more successful than North Carolina the past five years. Um. Anyway... This weekend, I don't know who I want to pick here. This is hard too. 
but I'm gonna. I'm, I think I really do think East Carolina pulls this one out. Okay. I, I'll tell you this: the North Carolina did lose opening day to Seton Hall, and that's not good. So uh, my thinking is, if East Carolina can win Friday, they should be able to squeak one of the next two out at home to win the series. Let's see what Vegas has the line at. Wow, Vegas has it even for Friday's game. Minus 115, minus 115. Hey, the only thing is you said, yes, they lost opening day, but a lot of good big teams lose opening day because it's just the way. I don't know why. They have outscored their opponent the next four games. 15, 29, 39 to 6. They're beating the shit out of everybody. They beat, they, they're winning their game, so... Considering it's Longwood, Radford, and Seton Hall, not not the brightest team, but yeah, I just I just like East Carolina at home. I think the jungle is going to make a difference. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I hope so at least. I need to. Start, I went three and three last week, so I need to get back on track and get a six and a week here. Putting a lot of stress on myself. Next, we have Maryland at Ole Miss. In my opinion, this was my easiest pick, and it's still tough because Maryland. We've seen Ole Miss slip up on weekends every year, and I just clicked my pick. Just so you know, I already I just clicked my pick right then and there. I have my pick, but go ahead. Yeah, so we've seen Ole Miss slip up a few different times, at least since we've started the podcast in 2019, where they lose a, a weekend series and or they don't play well for an extended period of time. And they just lost Hunter Elliott probably for the year. Um, I don't know if any reports have come out, but it's like forearm strain, same kind of symptoms you would have with, with UCL stuff. So you're not going to have the stud lefty pitching for him. But when it's all said and done, I'm going to take the SEC team over the Big Ten team. Ole Miss has got to have pride this weekend. They got to make sure that they, they win this series. Not only to prove to the college baseball world but to prove to themselves that last year wasn't a fluke and like i said earlier in my opinion this was the easiest series to pick now it's probably going to hurt me because maryland might go out there and score 15 runs a game but let's just hope Ole Miss scores 16 runs a game i i, I i'm just gonna go ahead and say it right now i picked maryland and here's why last year mississippi state defending champ they had a big team come to town, which ended up, which was Long Beach at the time. You know, still a name brand baseball school. Big weekend, they lost. Um, oh my god, who Landon did Sims? State? Yeah, Landon Sim. I don't, I don't know why. I'm terrible with remembering names. Anyway, Sim out for the year. They lost him. Mojo, oh, are you are you saying the uh, the storylines are kind of matching up? The mojo chain. I'm gonna. I think history repeats itself here. Ole Miss lost their one of their best pitchers, one of their guys that they were gonna rally around this year. They lost him. Big team. Big team comes to town. Maryland wins the series. This is gonna be a very offensive series. A lot of lot of runs gonna be scored in that series. All right, we're we're gonna move on here to the next one here. UCF at Clemson. Now, I know, Demetri, you love UCF. And I'm starting to – like, the more I'm looking at them, 
the more I like the Knights as well, but I'm not going to bet against Eric Backich and Clemson. Right now, Clemson is in a perfect spot to do some some damage. They, they probably have another 15 games before people start really noticing them just because they came into the season with low expectations for their program standards. They, uh, they don't get the national recognition with the rankings and nobody's projecting them to host a regional or whatever. But as far as what I saw this past weekend, like eyeball test, I think they have potential to do some serious damage in the ACC. And I think the ACC is going to be a lot better than the AAC for sure. And Vegas likes Clemson minus 165 tomorrow to UCF's plus 135. I'm going to ride with the Tigers to win two out of three. In fact, I think it might even be a sweep. I think Clemson might sweep UCF. This is so hard for me to pick. If you don't remember, UCF is my pick to win the AAC. I think they're that good this year. The pro- and I know Clemson is favorited. Clemson is the favorite. They should be big team at home. But this, why does this series scream to me? UCF coming out party. Like, this is like the whole country recognizes UCF after this weekend. Like, wow, what a statement weekend by the night. What a statement. I can just see it. And I can't ignore it. I don't want to. Dude, you need to stop talking because I'm about to flip my pick. I I know what you're saying. Like I know what you're saying. Like this is, I I mm, I I got I I'm not gonna ignore my my gut feeling. I'm going with Central Florida. Wow. So you love the AAC this week between East Carolina and Central Florida. It's the whole conference coming out party. I mean, I can just picture it on Sunday. Central Florida, big win on Sunday to take the series at Clemson. Oh, I can just see it. All right, flip my pick. I'm I'm switching. I'm switching. I'm taking UCF. I, dude, I know what you're saying. We've it's it's deja vu for me right now. Yes, UCF's coming out party. I'm all about that. I switch my pick. I'm on UCF. Wow, dude, that's all you had to I say know. was you can picture them winning Sunday. And the whole country being, wow, is UCF legit this year? Should we rank them? I I agree. I agree. Clemson's going to soil it this weekend. Give me UCF. All right. Well, um, what do you, all right, let's do this one next. Let's go UCLA Vanderbilt. Hey, by the way, before we move on, I have a shirt. It's sitting in my drawer right, ne- right, right behind me. It's a knight holding a sword. Are they, hey, when I start saying this next word, do the bleep. We 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 got to censor. It's holding the word like a I don't penis. have a bleep, so just don't don't even. Oh <laughs> don't wow! You just let me down big time there. Yeah, we don't um, have a bleep. Yeah, he's holding it as a uh, private genital part. It's a big sword, and he's laying down like the playboy, like whatever that pose is called, with a big sword. Um, you can picture the rest. You 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 know where I'm going with it. And it says kilf. Yeah, you can, we'll leave you can it at put that. words together. It sounds like milf. You know, it rhymes with milf. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. When UCF was, remember way back when they were like top five in the country, one of the best teams in college football. Yeah, Blake Bortles. My, oh yeah. My cut when they won the fake national championship and all that. How could I forget? 
anyway, before that, my cousin who went to UCF, they started they started printing shirt called Kilf, and they sent me one. I still have it. Love that. Love a good college T-shirt printing business. Those are always the best. Oh, dude! If they if they win the series, I'll rock it on Sunday night's episode and share a picture. All right, that, that's a deal. Anyways, uh, we got UCLA at Vanderbilt. I, dude, I don't know. Vanderbilt's so so hit and miss for me right now. UCLA is. I didn't get to watch them too much last weekend, so I don't know what they're about. But you look at it; it's two white collar teams. I think that's the best way to put it. Just very white collar. They they get the best recruits. They traditionally have been really well, uh, really really good programs they, for you know a what while. it is. They both traditionally dress really clean. Their uniforms are super sharp. They have a tradition yep. they have to follow. That like I don't I know exactly what you're talking about. Smart schools. They like it's just yep. Yeah, it's a it's a just different cultures between those two teams. And it's funny that they're matching up again. I think they're similar cultures. Yeah, well, different than like a lot of the country, I'm saying. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, they're very similar cultures. To me, though, I I don't know. I think Vanderbilt has the potential to be possibly SEC champion this year. I know they lost to Central Arkansas, whatever. Chalk it up. They came back and dominated their next midweek game. So... They showed me a lot in that in that State Farm tournament, scoring ten plus runs in two different games. I'm gonna go with Vanderbilt here. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Vanderbilt here because of uh, the home field. They know how to win on their home field, and they're not gonna let that midweek loss you know tear them down. They're gonna build off of that and be better this week. Man. This is this is a, this is one of the harder series for me to pick. I think UCLA is being slept on. I think this team is a lot better than people realize this year. Their offense. This is the most runs I've seen them score in a long time. Their offense is putting up runs, not just six, seven, eight runs, nine, ten, eleven, twelve runs. When UCLA is putting up runs like that. Like something going on, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, but I think Vanderbilt's in the same same boat there. I mean, Omaha is not the worst team in America. I mean, come on, Ben. We picked. We both picked Omaha to win the Summit. Did I? Wait. What? What conference? What conference are they in? They're in the Summit. They in the Summit? I'll tell you right now. We both picked Omaha to win the Summit. Yep. Uh, that was just a dart throw for me. I didn't really. And, I don't know anything about Omaha. Anyway, anyway, the reason why I brought up Omaha, UCLA beat them sixteen to one, twenty three nothing, eight one, and then beat Pepperdine eleven to two. They've given up four runs this year and put up thirty nine, forty seven, fifty eight to four. They're outscoring their opponent to start the year. Is that, is, that, is that pretty good? Yeah, I mean that's not bad. That's not bad. That's really damn good. That's really, really good. Um. Anyways, oh, man, I, 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 I just don't see. We have what do we have? We have one, two, three SEC team all at home. Two out of those three are going to win their series. I just, I feel like. But you know what else I could see? 
I could totally see Sunday the SEC losing two or three of those series and everyone in the country like being like, the SEC, it just means more. The SEC, I thought you guys were so good. Can you picture that? The way you're, you're just you're, you're in your you're, bag right now. You're just absolutely throwing out predictions right now that you're just visualizing. That's so Raven style. College baseball, you can't predict anything. And if I could predict something, that's what I could predict. The whole country saying SEC. I thought they were so great when they're going to be hosting the tight the trophy at the end of the year, more than likely. So. One weekend doesn't matter as much, but man, I really want to take UCLA. And you know what? Give them to me. Taking the Bruins on the road. Gotta love it. Nice. All right. So, uh, last series here Arizona State at Mississippi State. Now, if you would have rewound this back to Tuesday when we picked these series, I was like, man, Mississippi State's going to absolutely destroy Arizona State. It's not even going to be close. Mississippi State slipped up. And I think that holds some weight here. I, but again, I don't know if I can go against the, I don't know if I can go against Mississippi State at home losing twice. So basically losing three times at home in one week. Now they, they might get blown out one game by 20 runs. That's possible. But are they going to lose three times in one week at home? <laughs> Maybe four. They could I mean, potentially lose four at home. I, I want to see Arizona it happened, State. It happened a lot of times last year. I don't know where you're getting this from. Losing three in a week at home is not unprecedented territory. They did it a bunch last year. I don't know about a bunch, but they were a much worse team by, last year. What I mean by a bunch is five or six weeks out of the season. I'm going to use the same. Totally I'm going to use the same theory that I just used with Vanderbilt. And it can't be wrong for both of them. I'm going to take Mississippi State to win the series because I think Tuesday was a big wake-up call. Humbled them quite a bit. They came back focused the next day, beat the brakes off of Louisiana Monroe. They, they'll, have, they'll have the home crowd there. I, I don't think Arizona State is – I think Arizona State's a lot better than what they have been. But I, I want to see them prove it to me first. I want to see them win this. A sweep against San Diego State and winning against UNLV to start the year. I know. But, hey, I want to see them do it for a full season. We've seen them have spurts of, of greatness, but we haven't seen them put a whole season together. Ben, you're trying – I know what you're doing right now. In your heart, you have Arizona, and you're just talking to convince yourself to pick Mississippi State. That's what you're doing right now. No, what happened – I'll tell you exactly what happened. Monday, I was 100% Mississippi State. Tuesday, I was 100% Arizona State. Wednesday, 65% Mississippi State. And then after my Vanderbilt explanation, I'm just doubling up on that. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm at a, about an 80% sure that I, I like Mississippi State this weekend. Damn Arizona, it, it didn't work. Arizona, it didn't State, work. Arizona State hasn't been humbled yet this year. Mississippi State has. I like a team that's been Damn it, dude. I was trying so hard to convince you to take Arizona State because I've had my pick locked in for the past five minutes. I'm taking Mississippi State at home. <laughs> you did all that just to get me to flip? I was trying to get you to go Arizona State because now I really don't like my Mississippi State pick, but I'm not changing it. How I'm many of those did we have the same? The, the Bulldogs, not the devil. How many of those did we have the same? 
What? Three, we had three of them the same? We both took Mississippi State. We both took UCF. And we both took East Carolina. Right on. I love it. And guess what? I could very well see us losing all of those. <laughs> I'm literally looking at my paper right now with our picks. Ben, I can see myself going 0 6 this weekend. <laughs> easily. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I can see TCU winning easily. I can see North Carolina easily winning. I can see Ole Miss easily winning. I can see Clemson easily winning. I can see Bandy easily winning. And I can see Arizona State easily winning. That is an 0 and 6 weekend, ladies if, and gentlemen. If you submitted you just your heard my 0 and 6 picks. Yeah. If you heard, if you if you submit your picks this weekend and you think you're going six and zero, you're absolutely going 0 and 6. And if you think you're going 0 and 6, you'll probably go six and 0. No, you're probably still gonna go 0 and 6. The the my, dude, I'll tell you this. The most confident one I had was Clemson over UCF, and you talked me out of it. I just flipped to UCF. That's what I, that, that's what that's what the whole thesis should be from this weekend is I was the most confident in Clemson, and I ended up flipping that pick. I, I honestly, I'm the most confident. I don't even I don't even have one that I'm in, I'm confident in. I don't even have one that I'm confident in. Like this weekend, this is a bloodbath begin waiting to happen. And by the way, I will be covering these six games probably exclusively this weekend. We'll Ben will probably sprinkle in some whatever stuff he'd been doing. He'd been a loose cannon lately. Um, but I will be majority covering these six games this weekend, full of highlights. So yeah, uh, be ready for those. Um and I'm going to be tweeting out of anger because all my picks are going to be wrong. So you're going to see a little attitude. <laughs> <laughs> just, or, be, just being honest. Or you're going to go 6-0 and and uh, just be the happiest guy in the world. Hey, hey. I don't know if our followers have, can smell it, but the way I tweet when my picks are right is, is you can just feel the positive vibes in the air. Yeah. When, oh, I am just hyping this team up left and right when I pick them and they're doing well. I do not want to tweet about Mississippi State when they're losing. I, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> Arizona State's going to hit back-to-back-to-back home runs, and you're not going to even tweet the video. <laughs> Arizona State home run. Arizona State home run. Arizona State home run. If I picked Arizona State, I'd be like, Sun Devil, back to back to back, fire emoji, fire emoji, Sun Devil to roll in Starkville. The most biased, unbiased college baseball coverers there are. I'm the same way. I want my picks to be right. I will tweet my picks with way more authority than the ones that are the ones that are losing. Oh boy. Ben, do you want to do people on air want to hear the stats from our fan picks? Oh, like everybody that submitted so far? Yeah, like should we reveal the data? Yeah, let's do it real quick and then we'll end the show. All right. So let me get these pulled up real quick. Um Oh, I thought you already had them pulled up. No, 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 no. It, give me two seconds. Um, but what I was going to say was, for everybody, um, the Discord, the betting, we are going to be bringing back another competition soon. Um, we won't reveal exactly what it is yet. So 
If you're not a Patreon subscriber, check it out. See what you think. Um, that's just kind of a self-plug right there. All right, do you have the stats pulled up? Dude, give me two seconds. I've given you a minute. Minute? It's been like 25 seconds since I said it. It's a lot of dead time. No pressure. A lot of dead time. What's wrong with a couple seconds of dead time? That's when people typically turn off the podcast. No, they want to hear these numbers. They're going to wait. Okay. Five, ten, nine. All right. Just keep in mind that these picks do not have all picks yet. Picks will be coming in throughout the night and in the morning before the deadline. But um, here's the data. Are you ready for the? Yep. Oops, I forgot to put them in. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wait a damn minute. You have people on the edge of their seats right now. Oh, they are on the edge of their seats, huh? Why? Oh, there we go. Okay. TCU Florida State. 83%. Took TCU. Dang, that's a lot. 83%. East Carolina, North Carolina. 66% took East Carolina. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ole, uh, Maryland at Ole Miss. 90% took Ole Miss. No, this is not good. I'm like right in the public right now. I'm following the public with my picks. UCF at Clemson. 82% took Clemson. Let's go. That's good. That means we have that is very eight, good news. 18% between us. Good. UCLA at Vanderbilt. 69% took Vanderbilt. Nice. That's pretty, pretty decent. Arizona State and Mississippi State. 54% took Mississippi State. That one's close. Wow. Yep. So 54% Mississippi State, 69% Vanderbilt, 82% Clemson, 90% are on Ole Miss. So what's your uh, what's your survivor pick? Have you picked Oh my god, it? we got to do our survivor picks. I'm um, I'm going to I'm going to do my survivor pick here first. So my survivor pick is going to be Mississippi State, I believe. I took Southern Miss last week. I think my survivor pick is going to be Mississippi State. It could change before I press submit, 
but as of right now, it's going to be Mississippi State just because for two reasons. One, I really do think they're going to win the series. Two, I would love nothing more to just rub it in Mississippi State fans' faces, like why my survivor is no longer there. Be like, hey, your team lost. Thanks a lot. I don't get to participate in the survivor anymore. You will not. You will never get my support again. Exactly. Really, I'll have a reason to hate him. Um. So, this is hard because we just went through our picks, and I was not like slam dunk confident in any of them. You sounded so, slam dunk confident in UCF. Wait, so are you, you're not submitting. You haven't submitted your pick yet, have you? I mean, I'll do it here after I edit the podcast. But I haven't submitted mine either, and I don't think I'm going to be able to submit it while we're on air. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if that's a rule. I don't know if it's a podcast rule where I have to submit my pick on air. Well, let's but, yeah, you, you absolutely should. You absolutely should. Now, one thing that we you know need what? to you make a rule. You know what? One one thing we need to make a rule is like after we look at those stats that we just looked up, we're not allowed to change our picks anymore. Like us personally, other people can if they want. They can change their picks if they hear. 82 percent on tc oh no no we have we i have my we can pick them i'm not changing those yeah we we can't change just because like we know the stats that other people probably don't have access to and um but you need to make your survivor pick now like you need to verbally say what it is you can change it Um, later but don't don't leave us hanging you gotta you gotta make a pick okay okay i'm gonna make my pick Oh, oh, this is brutal. Here's where my criteria is going to start. I'm taking a home team. Okay. I'm, so you have I'm six teams to choose from. Okay. And that means you have to eliminate UCF, UCLA, and oh, Florida State. No, no, dude. No, dude. I can't make that my criteria. That's too narrow. <laughs> that narrows it down way too much. It narrows it down to East Carolina, East Carolina, Mississippi State, and... Uh, can't even remember the other series, dude. This is so difficult. I am the king of difficult choices. I can't just make up my damn mind. Um, you know what? I feel the most comfortable with Mississippi State. I don't know why. Why do I feel the most comfortable picking them? And I'm not doing it. I'm just I'm because I'm so comfortable. I'm not doing it. You know what? You don't want to ride Mississippi risk. State with me? That'd be fun. No, both of our survivors. No, no. no. But you know what? Actually, I'm going to because if I'm going to go down, I want you to go down. <laughs> yeah, we're going to sink together. Mississippi State is my survivor. We're going to absolutely wear out Mississippi State fans if they lose this series. Hey, we're and and guess what? We'll 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 love you guys to death if they win this weekend. I I did it last week with Southern Miss. They did not let me down. They swept Liberty. I love Southern Miss now. Uh, we'll give Mississippi State Mississippi State their chance now. And if they pass the test, oh then we God. move on. They are going to hear it. If they let me down this weekend, they are going to hear it. I'm gonna, I'm going to piss all over them. <laughs> freaking BFW, Brandon freaking Brandon freaking Walker. I'm gonna sh- mm. They better not let me down. Better not let me down. All right. Well, cool. Well, let's end on that here. Um, you guys enjoy your weekend full of college baseball. Really appreciate all the support you guys have and, and all the interactions on social media. Y'all um, y'all will be back on Sunday night releasing our weekend series recap episode and midweek preview. And uh, y'all stay connected with us. You can, uh, you can DM us. You can tweet at us, whatever you want to do. 
uh, we'll, we'll be there for you and, uh, and help you out. But you guys enjoy it. It's uh, week two, and it's only going to get better from here. We won a national championship for, for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi. Uh, we did it. Uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Oh, my goodness. Deep right field. A grand slam. Base hit. Arkansas is headed back to Omaha. And here's Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. Hispanic Titanic with a blast again!